Hey, welcome to the Winter Growth Challenge podcast. My name is Nick Anderson, and I will be doing a podcast series on the Gospel of John. Along with me will be various college students and young adults who have served the Lord faithfully at the Western Kentucky University Baptist Campus Ministry, also known as the WKUBCM. Before we get into today's podcast, I would like to read the reflection of the Winter Growth Challenge. This reflection is written by J.P. Prince. J.P. Prince is one of the men's coordinators at the WKUBCM. These reflections to give credit where credit is due. A summary of this of the version and uh, space for notes can be found at WKUBCM.com. And here's what he says about John chapter 14. He says, one key truth that we can draw from this chapter is that we cannot know the truth outside of knowing Jesus. And knowing Jesus is the only way to get to the Father. These are brought together through the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is pouring knowledge and time into his closest followers, his disciples, in this passage. Jesus had just foretold two pieces of disturbing news to his disciples in chapter 13. One, that Judas would betray him, and that Peter would deny him. So chapter 14 begins with an encouragement. Verse 1 begins, Let not your hearts be troubled, but he doesn't stop there. Jesus begins to give a summary of who he is and what he has come to do. Jesus assures us that he has prepared a place for us in his Father's house. This concept is often often thought of as a comfort to those close to death. But Jesus is explaining that everyday life in a relationship with him is how we find comfort and security before we are with the Father. In verse 6 is widely known and quoted. But what does it mean for Jesus to be the way, the truth, and the life? This verse displays how Jesus is a fulfillment of all offices of God's covenant, prophet, priest, and king. Jesus as the truth displays how Jesus as the promise fulfilling prophet is the final word God must speak to his people. Hebrews 1-2 Prophets spoke by giving God's word to God's people, but Jesus is the word made flesh John 1.14 Jesus as the way fulfills the need for a priest to make sacrifices on our behalf or to mediate between God and man. He is our mediator. He is the new covenant. Hebrews 12.24 And he is the sacrifice for our sins. 1 Peter 2.24 Jesus, as the life, fulfills the need for an earthly king, as he gives life not only for the present time, but also for eternity. John 3.16 Verses 12-14 through 14 explain that, as Christians, our work for the kingdom is not independent of his power. Our work for Christ is really our work with Christ. As head of the church, Christ's work is continued through us, but by his power. Verse 15 is a beautiful reality. Jesus does not say, if we obey him, he will love us. He says that if we love him, 
we will obey him. Our relationship with Christ cannot be earned. In contrast, his love for us is so great that the power that that it has power to transform our love. Our obedience doesn't earn us anything, but it is evidence of a changed life that loves Jesus. Verses 16 to 31 dive into Jesus helping us understand eternity as much as we can, of course. We can see that Jesus promises the Holy Spirit as the helper, quote unquote, who is with us while Jesus is gone. Much of the details of eternity are not fully revealed to us, but at its base level we can know this. The more we know about Christ the Son, but through the Holy Spirit, the more we can share in fellowship with the Father. It shouldn't be taken lightly that through the Gospel we can share in this fellowship of love, peace, and joy with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Through the power of the Trinity, the Creator of this universe dwells with us and in us. Verse 17. This is why our hearts shall not be troubled, and why we can rest in Christ as fulfillment of all we need. So, here are some application points. 1. Life is full of uncertainties, but we can be certain that Jesus has prepared our steps. We must look to Him as the only measure by which we can truly have comfort and security, not only ultimately in heaven, but also in this present life. Point number two, understand that not only that Jesus is, the, is only the way, but understand why he is the only way, his fulfillment of the law and the covenant. Point number three, our love is an outpouring of how deeply we are loved by God not a means to climb a ladder of God's favor, a right understanding of love is completely transformative. Be an example of that love to others, a reminder to Christians, and a witness to unbelievers. Point number four, do we truly live as though the Holy Spirit is real inside of us? and understand the power that we have through eternity? If not, we are living as though the gospel is not real, or isn't powerful, and neither, or it is neither of those things. I hope this serves as an encouragement to you all over the winter break. Love you all, JP, and with that, into the podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Winter Growth Challenge podcast. Today we will be looking into John chapter 14. This has one of the great I am statements in it, saying like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is what Jesus claims. And we'll be, again, we'll be looking at John chapter 14, and I am joined with J.P. Prince. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure, Nick. Uh, Thanks for having me on. My name is JP, like Nick said, I'm 21, go to Western Kentucky University as well. Nick, I'm from Lexington uh, in Kentucky, and let's see, my major is civil engineering. Uh, as far as BCM duties go, I'm leading the men's ministry this year with Ben Spratt, 
and I'm also an FFG, a freshman family group leader for the second year. So, Yeah, that's awesome. And again, thank you for being on the show. My first question for you, JP, is what did God show you when you were writing your reflection? Yeah, yeah. One of the things, one of the things God showed me um, kind of had to do with the part at the start um, of the section where he talks about just let not your heart to be troubled. Um, and says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. And he says he's prepared a place for us. Like, usually, as far in my experience, maybe not in yours, but in my experience, I hear that verse, and it's at a funeral. You know, it's like at the end of someone's life, and it's saying, God's prepared a place for you. There's somewhere that you're going, you know, if you've trusted in him. And all that is 100% true. He's giving, think about the context of when he's giving this. To the, to the disciples. He's about to leave. They're about to live life without him. You know, this is, this is about how they need to live their life here and now. Um, so I think it's kind of, kind of a statement of uh, security for them saying that, like, believe in God and also believe in me. And if you believe in him, it's prepared a place for you. Like, your future is secure. And that changes you live in the here and now if that makes if that makes sense to you so like yes kind of reframed uh kind of reframed how i thought about this verse this is you know how i typically typically heard it now i typically heard it was not, was not wrong or anything but it's just a new perspective when you understand you know the context jesus is telling the disciples to live when he's gone you know our he has our future secure changes how we live for him in the present so yeah i like what you mentioned about whenever people think of jesus preparing a place so many people say like to console someone like don't worry they're in a better place and especially with christ our perfect savior with him being the perfect son of god like he has prepared this perfect place for us and that you know, if we believe in Christ, that our future is secure, our future is in Him. And so I really like that, what you said. In this chapter, as I mentioned before, Jesus claims to be this this name called, the way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What does it mean for Jesus to be this? Yeah, so Jesus says the way, the truth, and the life is like all-encompassing. That's why he says all three of those things, I think. Like, there's there's nothing else we could hope for in this life, I don't think, you know, outside of knowing where to go, knowing the way, the truth. And if you're provided life, you don't really need anything more. So Jesus is basically saying, like, he is everything for us. Um, so, like, at a base understanding of the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus promises that fulfillment can be found in him. But I definitely think these three things are are a little bit deeper. Um, and I really like to always kind of bring in uh, God's promises in the Old Testament because there's so much, so much we can pull from that to truly understand uh, the New Testament. So uh, I wrote about this a little bit. Verse displays, I think, how Jesus fulfills all the offices of God's covenant. Those three are prophet, priest, and king. Um, so we'll start with 
I think I'd profit first. Uh, Jesus is the truth, and that shows how Jesus is promise-fulfilling prophet. Um, So the prophets speak words to God's people, but if Jesus is the promise-fulfilling prophet, he is the final word that God must speak to his people. So he fulfills the office of prophet, I think, is what it's getting at by saying that Jesus Jesus is the truth. Jesus is also, if you think about uh, John 1, Jesus is the word flesh. So uh, not only is he, like I said, the final word that God must speak to his people, Jesus is the word made flesh. So um, that's a that's a way to think about that. And then Jesus as the way fulfills the need for priest. Um, so in the Old Testament, priest made sacrifices on the on behalf of the people to kind of show show what Jesus would do when he came. And they mediated between God and man. But we know, uh, put this reference in my my thing. I don't have it up right now. But in Hebrews 12, it talks about Jesus being the mediator in the new covenant. The new covenant is made when Jesus comes. And then is the life. So he fulfills the need for the third part of God's, of the offices of God's covenant as king. Um, because kings, kings in that day were basically... Our job was kind of to provide life for the people um, that they ruled, and Jesus fulfills that, fills the need for an earthly king, gives life for eternity um, to us, and we can see that in one of the most famous verses of all time, John three sixteen. Yeah, I really like how you distinguish the three of like prophet, priest, and king. Especially with the prophet being truth of how prophets told the truth from because they were basically messengers of God, and but with the mm-hmm. priest you had the advocate, which is the mediator between God and man, and that high priest eventually became Jesus Christ Himself, and the King protecting life for all the people, right. and I think that's really key to understanding what the way, the truth, and the life are. Yeah. yeah, he's fulfilled. As I kind of talked about at the start, he's is showing that Christ fulfills all we need. We kind of see it in different, different terms. I think like we see it and we see way, truth, and life. Like I talked about at the start, knowing the way to go, knowing truth, knowing life. But for the people Jesus was talking to, they understood, you know, the the covenant that that uh, God had made the beginning and so showing that when he fulfills the offices of prophet priest and king which are given throughout the old testament to kind of rule god's people showing that jesus fulfills all of that shows fully that jesus really does fulfill all we need he is way the truth and the life and that's saying he is the only way that's just a different way to say that i think yeah and I think it's important to realize, like, this way, you know, is like you said in the latter part of verse 6, it says, no one comes to the Father except for me. And so that means, mm-hmm. essentially, you have to come to Jesus and accept him as your Lord and Savior in order to be saved from the righteous wrath of God the Father.
the latter part, John chapter 14, it says, like, Jesus promises a helper, uh, quote-unquote, and this is the Holy Spirit. So, my question for you is, like, what role does this play inside the character of God? This promises the Holy Spirit, um, and he gives it the name helper in this passage, and promise to to help us. So, God says that he will never leave us or forsake us. And that is, I think that is a part of his character, who he is saying that he will never leave us. Jesus in this is kind of preparing to leave them because he's going, he's going to die and then ascend to heaven. This is not, this is not too far. at the end of, of John, I'm only like six chapters, seven chapters away. So he's preparing them for him to leave He's not leaving them alone, basically. He's promising he's promising the Holy Spirit and gives it the name, the Helper. And I think that is that's the perfect name uh, for the Holy Spirit and for them to understand what the Helper is going to do. He is going to be there in Christ's absence because their, their relationship with God has been through knowing Christ. And his absence, I don't think... I don't think they would understand, you know, how to know Christ outside of that. So he he promises them Holy Spirit as the helper to stay consistent with his character that he'll never leave us or forsake us, that we won't be left alone in this world. Yeah, I think it I think another important note to notice is that Jesus calls the Holy Spirit helper. And with that you have what are we needing help from? What do we need help with, you know? And so, ultimately, I think in this text, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit as a helper in order for us to live more Christ-like, sanctified lives. In order, And the Holy Spirit will convict us of unknown sins, known to us, that we, so that we may become more like Christ, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the Holy Spirit, I think this is probably the most confusing part of this chapter, just the Trinity as a whole um, and understanding that. And I don't necessarily think we're even called to fully understand the Trinity other than what you know, has been revealed to us. So we're we're revealed something about the Holy Spirit here that he is called the helper. It says, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So that's like kind of what you're talking about with conviction. You know, he is... He's inside of you. The Holy Spirit knows everything. You know, it's ingrained in your soul. You're a Christian. It's part of it's part of who you are. And so something that, you know, helps you, you know, maybe when you're sharing the gospel with people, but it also knows everything about your life. There's nothing that you can hide from uh, God that way. And so, you know, with it does come conviction, but also encouragement. Uh, Heavenly reassurance, uh, heavenly security, all those sorts of things. Yeah, I think it's also important to, to note that the Trinity is technically never mentioned in the Bible. And that we just have to formulate these thoughts into this thing called the Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Especially in the line of like how salvation works. I've always heard it from Dr. Stephen Lawson. He says that in the, in the plan of salvation, you have the Father 
who initiates salvation, the Son who accomplishes the salvation, and the Holy Spirit applying the salvation. I think it's very important to distinguish the different roles of the Trinity, especially when we are approached with each character of eternity. And eternity is unique in the form where there are three different entities, but yet they all make up God. But yet the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father, and vice versa. But all three of these entities together create what we call eternity, and they make up God and who God is. It's certain things that we're ne not necessarily called to fully understand, but we can, can be amazed by, you know, knowing that's, that's who God is, that's who our God is. Taking what the Bible says about, you know, all three, three members of the Trinity and not going, you know, farther, farther than that, just going straight from what the Bible says and not trying to trying to fully understand because we know one day will be a day when you know we will be in heaven with Christ and, and you know, none of that will necessarily matter as long as we trust in him another topic I wanted to cover is that in verse 12 it says something very interesting of how Jesus said mm -hmm. like truly truly I say to you whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Um, and this talks again a little bit about the Holy Spirit. And so my question for you is, how will Jesus' followers do greater works than him? Right, so I found this super interesting as well. And I think the answer is just through, th this is showing that we accomplish is not accomplished of ourselves it's through christ um and that's why when he leaves he does promise the holy spirit to be with them to help accomplish these works and i think explaining to them that even when he leaves he's with them and saying that the works will be the works will be greater in power how you you think of that like he's not saying well i walked on water so you're going to you know run on water per se i don't think he's saying that the the works will be greater in power. I think he's saying that uh, the works will be greater in number because he's sending the Holy Spirit and the gospel is only going to spread. I think is kind of kind of his promise there that the Holy Spirit will come to them, spread the gospel, they will share the gospel. And so there will be all these people, things for Christ, through Christ, so many more than even when Jesus was there, if that makes sense. So I think yeah. I think it's saying works will be greater in number, necessarily greater in power. You know, kind of how you read it when you first read that sentence. Yeah, definitely. You know, because only Jesus could do so much whenever he was on earth. Because, you know, you have a whole bunch of people who didn't have the spirit, who were confused about this this kingdom teaching that Jesus would teach in like parables and then the miracles that Jesus did people would be like man he's a miracle worker but yet not really get the whole concept of what Jesus's whole mission was 
And whenever the Holy Spirit comes, it helps us, it gives us an understanding of, you know, the truth a lot better because that's just how the Spirit works. Because the Spirit will help um, open ears and soften hearts so that the gospel will spread, ultimately. 100%. It is, it is kind of like a tricky, tricky type of wording, you know, when you first, first see it, like, your works, then these he will do. He's talking about that he's done, but I think just a promise that through the Spirit, gospel will spread, you know? Yeah, I'm really looking at, like, verse um, 15, specifically, you know, just like, if you love me, this is Jesus talking, you will keep my commandments. And with the Holy Spirit, you know, you have to constantly pray for that desire, and that Again, in the next verse, you see him giving a helper. I think you talked about this a little bit in the reflection, in your reflection, that, like, how the Spirit will transform our desires. Do you want to explain a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, just thinking about, uh, I think it's verse 17, like I mentioned before, he dwells, dwells in you. So I don't think, I think it's just important to not be like, oh, yeah, we're given the Holy Spirit. Like, Jesus promises that's cool. Don't take don't take that lightly. You know that is that is something with weight to it. That is a part of the Trinity that Christ has promised to be with us in His absence. So it has to be something significant. So I don't think it's uh, something that we need to be careful not to take that promise there. And uh, so He, Holy Spirit, shares in fellowship with the Father as part of the Trinity. And if the Holy Spirit is in us, we are kind of part of that. You know, we share in that sort of fellowship. And, you know, through through the power of that, we have, you know, an amazing, amazing gift um, that is the Holy Spirit inside of us. And that even, that even goes back, I think, to verse 1, the first sentence of chapter 14, let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God and also believe in me. If we are we are truly considering what we have um, in being given the Holy Spirit, our hearts should not be, should not be troubled. Um, and should see Christ as the fulfillment, like we talked about in uh, 14 verse 6, with him being the way, the truth, and life. He has fulfilled, fulfilled everything that we, that we need, and that's why our hearts be troubled. And I think the Holy Spirit is kind of given us to be that, security to us in a way yeah and just a reminder of this constant love that is poured out from the spirit you know of how the more full of christ we become because of the holy spirit that gives us the desire to love him more the more we are able to share that same love with others and i think it's first john 4 that talks about about god first loving us and because of that, we can love others. And in the same way, I think, think again, like if, like looking at verse 15 again, if yeah. you love me, you would keep my commandments. Yeah, yeah dude, that, that verse 15, I think it's talked about it enough. That that verse is, that verse is incredible, just to think about it. And I, I wrote about it like this in my reflection. Uh, it's, it's not Jesus saying if we obey him, he will love us, you know, it's not that sort of relationship saying if we love him, we will we will obey him. And that's 
that's just all the evidence we need to know that our relationship with God cannot be earned. And if you if you really think about that, it means that his love for us is so great that it changes the way that we love, um, which is just and that that's incredible. It transforms power of love that we have. And so so we can see that, you know, we don't we don't earn any of that love from him, but he has loved us so much. It completely changes the way we love and we will love him as a result. I just think that's really beautiful and it, it's the gospel. You know, it that is the gospel. Everything everything comes back gospel in the Bible and that is a picture, you know, for anybody who could be listening and, you know, you think like, I have not done enough. I haven't loved God enough. I, you know, have lived this way. The, the gospel is saying no one has loved God enough. And he still loves you anyway. Let that transform you. So just, just the idea of, of having to earn is completely, it's completely thrown away here, showing that only way to truly love is to let God's love change your love, um, which is amazing. It's just a beautiful verse. David Platt said it best in his book, like, Follow Me. He's talking about, like, the glory of God and, like, an encounter with Jesus is, like, unforgettable. Imagine the glory of God is like a semi-truck and it's going, like, 70 miles per hour and it hits you right in the face. I mean... You're, go- you're not going to leave there unchanged, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, you ain't. It's, it's like the road to Damascus. <laughs> right. You know, the way it changed Paul. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And in the same way, the, the love that we have been shown because of Christ is just like insurmountable, undescribable love. Because like in the next chapter, chapter 15, we'll talk about it just a little bit. But one of the verses says like, there's no greater love than this for somebody else to lay down their life for another person. And and that's what Jesus did for us. Like you were saying, this is the gospel. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that we could not live. He died the death we could not die. He rose again on the third day, showing his power over death. And again, constant reminders of this. He did all of this, the whole entire plan of salvation out of love. Because he, he did it. Because it was the way, the only way for us to be reconciled to God because of our brokenness and sin. Amazing. And we don't deserve it, but think that we're still, we're still offered it. And, you know, to think that there was a point in my life when I was offered it and I didn't take it as undeserving as I am. is just amazing, dude. So the, the first section we kind of talked about, you know, like God preparing a place for you. And we know, like, you know, in our life, there's so many things that are uncertain. That's just, that's just literally life on earth, not being certain, but knowing that Christ has prepared our steps and that he's, he's prepared a place for us and just knowing that we can have that security in him, knowing that he, he is the only, only one. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews says. He's the only thing that can truly... We can truly have security in, you know, just think about how that can change, change your life because that changes your worldview when you really zoom out and look at your life. And then understanding not only 
that Jesus is the only way, but understanding why he's the only way and understanding what he's fulfilled in coming as as a baby and fulfilling the law and fulfilling the covenant um, and how he can fulfill you your life. I think that's really important. And then, as we just talked about, understanding how our love is an outpouring of how deeply we're loved by God. Our love is not, you know, something we're putting up on on a trophy and saying, "Look how many, look how many loves, loves I've earned." You know, you are you're doing that as an outpouring of what God, how God has loved you. And this is this is so important because, like we said, it's the gospel we're trying to show that to others. We're trying to spread gospel. And that is that is your witness to unbelievers. How you love others is the gospel. And therefore it's a witness of the gospel. Um, and so just think about how you love others, how you interact with people. Um, and ask yourself, is that a picture of the gospel to unbelievers? And is it an encouragement to believers? So I think that's that's really key and so, JP, is there anything you would like to share with the listeners of this podcast? Appreciate y'all listening. I would invite you to dive deeply into more than just John 14. John as a whole is amazing, but obviously, read read the whole Bible. The whole thing, the whole thing points toward the gospel. Especially a lot of stuff in the Old Testament, you can you can really understand the New Testament by understanding the Old Testament. So, I'd encourage any believers that haven't. I looked looked into that to really dive into reading reading the Bible and anyone anyone who's questioning is to think about the love God has for you and check out check out some of the verses you may have referenced John three sixteen and then also just John fourteen fifteen that's all I got Nick all right man thank you so much for being on today's podcast thank you so much for listening to the What's Your Growth Challenge podcast. If you enjoyed, please leave us a rating. If you are interested in podcasting yourself, then I would encourage you to look into Anchor, the podcast software where you can upload, edit, and record your podcast. Another special thanks to the WKUBCM for making this Winter Growth Challenge possible, along with the full-time staff members, Tommy Johnson, the campus minister, Jeannie Atwood, the administrative assistant, Colin and Sarah Wood, international student ministers, Brad and Kate Clarity, campus minister, associate and intern, Maya DeHay, campus minister, associate, along with other interns, Carwin Gunn, Noah Pike, Jake Fisher, Aaron Fisher, Parvis, Robin Ali. A special thanks to our guest today, J.T. Prince, audio and sound engineer, Gideon Martin, graphic design, art, Nick Anderson. And once again, thank you again for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have a great day.